People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit redbarninc.com slash coupon to save a dollar off your first can. Welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, Renee David Alkali. Are you searching for the path to the discovery of wholeness and balance in your life? We'll discuss the future of holistic health care and how the concepts discussed on today's show can help you make better choices in your life. Now, here is your host, Renee David Alkali. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit, the Genesis Hour, Health Hour, live, uh, Living a Holistic Life. Uh, it's nice to be back with you this morning, uh, a couple of da- day before Christmas Eve, and I hope you're uh, enjoying this holiday season and uh, eating great food, healthy food, a little healthier and uh, spending some time thinking about how 2016 can be the year that brings about some dramatic changes for the better in your life, in every single area of your life. So we've had a really good year together discussing so many uh, topics for the improvement of health, for the improvement of life in general, for the improvement of our planet So today, I thought that I would uh, take some time to discuss the benefits of um, certain practices that I have been involved in for a number of years and a practice that I have not been involved with but that I'm very familiar with. And those are yoga, tai chi, And the one I'm not personally involved with overly much is belly dance. Uh, Each of these has great benefits, as generally all exercise does, but these particularly have benefits that that I have found very effective in my own life. And I thought this would be a good time to share them so that uh, you might give some thought to... uh, becoming involved with practices like these, if not these specific ones. So I'm going to start with yoga. Uh, For those of you that know me personally, you know that I have been in the, uh, I have had a personal yoga practice since 1958, which is... um, the greater part of my life. So I would say I'm a lifetime yogic practitioner and also as a yoga teacher and a yogic, uh, a yoga therapist. I've been involved in the yogic world, the yoga world for quite a long time. So I'd like to just discuss some of the benefits that I have found in my own life and that I have seen in the lives of others over these many years of being involved with this practice. For one thing, um, it certainly is a practice that improves flexibility. That is something that becomes very obvious in a relatively short time. In a matter of months, one can uh, improve their flexibility dramatically. The Many people who have come into uh, classes over the years that I've taught uh, or into therapeutic situations uh, are unable to uh, touch their toes, for example. And certainly when it comes to just doing back bends, uh, there's a, uh, I've noticed a general stiffness in so many people that may be more and more so because we are living relatively lethargic lives you know uh, the old phrase being a couch potato 
Well, it's not just being a couch potato, but just not getting any reasonable kind of exercise, sitting at an office desk for hours. Um, But what I have seen happen consistently with people who just stay with a yogic practice, uh, I've seen a a loosening um, and a uh, relaxation in certain muscles that may be held uh, in spasm or in tightness and uh, stretches that people have said, um, oh, I can never do that. I'll never be able to do that. All of a sudden, become very doable. Um, A lot of uh, things that happen as a corollary to that or as a side benefit are that a lot of the pain and uh, the tightness and the aches that we have in the body seem to just melt away, disappear. It's not coincidental in any way. When we have... uh, tightness uh, in the joints I've often said in classes and to private clients that old age begins in the joints and this doesn't mean old age in chronological years a person can be in their 30s and 40s and their body can be old in terms of their joint flexibility they may have an advantage over people who are in their 80s and 90s in that the body has a chance to come back a little faster But nevertheless, I have seen people in their 80s who are considerably more flexible and in better shape than uh, people in their 30s. So it's not about chronological age. If you're tight in your hips, if you're tight in in uh, in your wrist joints, if you're tight in your knee joints, you're going to have... Uh, associated pain with that. Um, Certainly if you have very tight hamstrings, that uh, tends to create a flattening of the lumbar spine, and that flattening causes lower back pain. Uh, Also, if there's any inflexibility in the muscles or the connective tissue, um, such as your fascia or the, the ligaments, that can stimulate poor posture. And poor posture has uh, all the associated negative elements that's associated with poor posture. We'll talk about that in a few moments. So certainly improving flexibility is one of the uh, five dimensions of good health. The five dimensions themselves our cardiorespiratory health, we need a good heart, we need good lungs. We need them to be working in in good working condition. Uh, Muscle strength, Uh, certainly we need a certain amount of muscular strength. Um, Muscle um, uh, endurance. Endurance is different from strength. How long can you keep going before you have to lay something down? Uh, Fat-to-muscle ratio is another element. Obesity is not based on how much a person weighs, but what their fat-to-muscle ratio is. If you have too much fat on your body in relationship to the balance between fat and muscle, that's a formula for obesity, and obesity has a number of associated diseases that come about from it. or that are stimulated by it. We can't say it's causative in that direct sense, but certainly on a correlative basis, we can say there's strong relationships between obesity and cancer, obesity and heart disease, obesity and diabetes. So, and the fifth element, of course, is flexibility. So we've just talked about that. This And one of the other elements certainly that yoga improves is muscle strength. uh, It's not just about looking good, but when we have good muscle strength, that protects us from a number of conditions. It protects us, for example, from arthritis. 
It protects us from um, back pain or pain along any part of the spine. The muscles support the skeleton. The skeletal system is the framework for the muscles, but the muscles in turn insulate and support the skeletal system. So they work synergistically. The other thing about strong muscles is it improves balance. As it improves, for example, if you have strength in your legs, you might try balancing on one leg. One of uh, the sayings that I tend to quote a great deal in classes that I teach comes out of the um, the, uh, the Talmudic literature out of all places. I have no idea what this has to do with spirituality since the Talmud is a uh, compilation of, of laws and principles and uh, how to live one's life in a, in a higher or more spiritual way. But it's also very practical. And one saying that comes out of that literature is that as long as you can stand on one leg, you're still young. I I won't totally uh, tell you that's absolutely true, but uh, I will say that uh, as we get older, for many people, because of the weakening of muscles and um perhaps the weakening in concentration and other factors, there is a um, loss of good balance. And so there is some truth to that. Uh, so when your muscles are in good shape, when your brain can focus and concentrate, um, when your body is flexible, uh, certainly you, that helps to prevent falls and uh, for those of you that do have uh, a uh, compromised balance, sense of balance, you know how uh, much it affects every single area of your life. When we don't have good balance, we don't have confidence. We're afraid to walk on stairs. We're afraid of walking in the street. Uh, we don't have good social balance in terms of just standing and being attentive to what's happening because our bodies are not comfortable uh, and not balanced. So when you when we build strength through yoga, especially, and ba we balance it with flexibility. Now there's nothing wrong with going to a gym and lifting weights, um, but lifting weights is going to if that's all you're doing, you're going to be um, sacrificing some an element that's critical. And that is flexibility. You can certainly get big muscles and you can certainly build a lot of strength. But you'll also build a lot of tightness in the body. And I'm not talking about the tightness of good muscle tone. I'm talking about a tightness that interferes with flexibility. So now we've dealt with these two elements that yoga certainly develops. And that is flexibility and muscular strength. You may not associate yoga with muscular strength because you might think, well, it's just a bunch of stretching for those of you that don't know. But it's not true. There are many, many uh, postures in yoga that are weight-bearing specifically for that purpose. And weight-bearing postures uh, increase bone density, so they protect you from osteoporosis. You do need good bone density, and you do need to do some weight-bearing exercise. And we certainly build a good deal of strength when we're doing um, a little more advanced practice, which includes some chaturangas. For those of you that know chaturanga, it's a kind of yogic push-up, or that are doing um, uh, Svanasana, which is the face-down dog posture, where we're putting a lot of weight and movement uh, into the uh, muscles of the upper body, as well as stretching into the hamstrings. So uh, the next element that I'd like to just touch on is posture. I've often said to people that if uh, they can improve their posture, many, many issues in the body seem to resolve. If you think about the body, we have this this the head on top of 
on top of a spine. And the spine is not as broad as the head. The head is like this big round object, and it's a heavy object. And it's balanced right at the top of the spine. It takes um, less work for the back muscles and for the neck muscles to support the spine, to support the head, than it does for the spine on its own. If we're moving uh, the head in a few, just several inches, uh, we're starting to feel a strain on those muscles. If we're holding up um, uh, that kind of a position, a forward-leaning posture for certainly a number of hours, it's little wonder that we become fatigued. And that may not be the only problem that develops. Uh, think about arching your neck forward or rather moving it forward out of its balanced posture in order to look more closely at a computer screen or to look more closely at a book if you're reading a book and your head is constantly in a forward position that's going to create pain eventually and that's that pain will be in the back in the neck and other associated muscles, as well as problems in the joints. So slumping the body, um, you know, may compensate uh, by because we're coming out of the normal inward curves of the neck and lower back, but that causes pain and causes problems with degenerative diseases like arthritis. So posture is critical. You know, when you're sitting, make sure you're sitting straight with your head balanced. When you're watching a computer, sit, you know, do not bring your head forward. Bring your head, you know, keep it back and keep it up. Keep your shoulders back and down. Make sure those natural curves are taking place. Avoid that slumping or that kind of collapsing downward. The next benefit I'd like to touch on is um, the uh, prevention of joint breakdown. So yoga can certainly do that, and also the breakdown of cartilage. Whenever we practice yoga, we're really taking our movements to what we call a comfortable extreme, a full range of motion. Uh, this is a phrase that I often use in teaching. Go to your comfortable extreme. So we're never with yoga, we ought never to be going into an area of pain. We want to come before the pain, but we're going to our comfortable extreme, coming into our full range of possible motion. That in itself mitigates many problems with disabilities and prevents degenerative diseases like arthritis. That happens because we're, um, especially around the joints, we're warming the synovial fluids, we're squeezing those areas of cartilage that we usually might not use. Keep in mind the joint cartilage, yeah, we're going to take, we're going to take a break. When we come back, um, we'll come back to this subject. We'll talk about what cartilage is and the nutrient levels of it, as well as the protection of the spine. So we're talking about yoga and the benefits of yoga and in this first portion. Please stay tuned with us, and we will be back with you shortly. You are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, myself, Renee David Alkali. I am a naturopathic doctor in private practice in Forest Hills, New York, at 10202 Metropolitan Avenue. 
A description of classes and programs that we offer is available on our website, www.genesistreeoflife.com. We offer wellness programs in yoga, martial arts, tai chi, ballroom dance, personal and group fitness, meditation, and seminars on various health topics. These are at our studio or as in reach at your facility. We can bring these programs to you, to your organization. Check our website, www.genesistreeoflife.com, uh, for our corporate wellness program and some of our other classes. Or you may call us at 718-544-5996. And we're back with you. So, yes, we, um, at our center, we have a full yoga program, including teachers' training, including yoga for prenatal, yoga for kids, as well as a full adult program. Um, if you're local to us, uh, we are a traditional school. Uh, we're not a fad of any kind. We teach very traditionally and very deeply. Uh, there's a big difference, I, I like to say, between yoga and a yoga center um, that follows a classical approach uh, or even an innovative approach. A big difference between that and what I like to call gym yoga. The idea of yoga as just another exercise is really losing a tremendous amount of the potential of what it really is. So, if you're not local to us, you might want to explore what is in your area and uh, just check out uh, classes and teachers and make sure you find a good teacher in a good school. You know, there's, uh, like in every other field, there are places that are better than others and places that may not be quite as good. Uh, and that's not only based on experience, that's based perhaps on an approach. Uh, so you are, one thing about yoga, if it's taught correctly and if the student follows the instructions, uh, one ought never, never to be hurt in anything, uh, in any way doing yoga. That's just not part of the practice. So we're talking about joint and cartilage breakdown. Understand that cartilage... Um, is like a sponge. It takes in fresh nutrients, but it can only take these, absorb these, when the fluid that's in them is squeezed out and a new supply can be soaked up. The phrase that, the little visual image that comes to my mind is with the sage Lao Tse. Uh, this is, of course, before mentioning that, I will say another phrase that I'm familiar with that says that freedom is not in the acquisition of anything. It's in the getting rid of stuff. We become free by ridding ourselves of certain things. So a student went to Lao Tse and said, Master, can you teach me the path of enlightenment? And Lao Tse handed him a cup and said, would you like some tea? And uh, the student said, oh, thank you. So he started to pour the tea while looking into the eyes of this student. And he kept pouring until the cup overflowed. And the student drew his hand back with the cup and he said, Master, my cup is full. Thank you. And Lao Tse said, Good, now go empty the cup, and when your cup is empty, come back to me and I will teach you. So, you know, I like that story because, you know, we we come to things with so many predetermined notions, and um, it's hard for us to really take in new information in an, uh, in a relatively new, in a relatively open way. Well, the body 
also functions like that. You know, we have nutrition and we have elimination. We're not going to be absorbing nutrients very well unless our elimination system is working up to par. So here we're speaking about um, one place in the body where nutrients also need to be absorbed, fresh nutrients. But before we can do that, we have to squeeze out the old ones. We have to get rid of them and make some space. If we don't have proper sustenance, then certain areas of cartilage begin to wear out because they're not getting the nutrients they need. And when they wear out, they expose the bones that are underneath. Like worn out brake pads, they're just not going to work. Um, so the next thing about yoga that I'd like to talk about is how it protects the spine. The uh, Between the vertebrae, we have uh, shock absorbers, basically, and uh, these can become injured. Once those shock absorbers, the called discs, spinal discs, become injured, how do they become injured? They can herniate, um, and they can compress nerves. Uh, the The only way they get their nutrients, if you have a good yoga practice with lots of back bends, forward bends, and twists, you're going to help keep your discs supple. That is certainly, uh, for those of you out there suffering with disc problems, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Very painful situation. Um, and we can go a long way in protecting ourselves against that uh, and mitigating it once we have a problem by a intelligent yoga practice. I've mentioned uh, weight-bearing. Certainly there is a good deal of weight-bearing movement and exercise in yoga. And that goes to the question of stronger bones. We want to ward off osteoporosis. In many yoga postures, we're putting a lot of weight into the uh, the bones. We do a posture called inclined plane, for example, or tabletop, or downward dog, or upward dog. Um, certainly, if we get more advanced, we're talking about doing handstands. Uh, all the standing series of yoga is based on putting weight into the legs and finding that point of balance and posture. Uh, all of the postures I've mentioned strengthen the wrists, the fingers, the hands, the elbows, the shoulder girdle, uh, certainly uh, working on all those bones, aside from the surrounding muscles. All those bones are very vulnerable to osteoporosis. If we have osteoporosis, we're vulnerable uh, in terms of having fractures. There have been studies uh, around the country, outside of the country, that have definitely definitively demonstrated that yoga practice increases bone density in the vertebrae. Also, yoga's capacity to lower levels of stress hormones like cortisol, uh, that also may help to keep bones or with, keep calcium in the bones. Stress will seep calcium out of the bones. Uh, there's an increase of blood flow, certainly if we're doing a handstand posture. And that's the next thing to look at, uh, the increase in blood flow. How does yoga help with blood flow? How does yoga help with the lymph system? How does it help with the immunity? We're going to discuss these things when we return. We'll 
see how uh, or the process or what we can do to improve our blood flow, our immunity, our lymph glands, and um, improve heart rate, all of that. So stay tuned with us. We'll be back in just a few moments. You are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, myself, Dr. Renee David Alkali. I am a naturopathic doctor in private practice in Forest Hills, New York, at 102-02 Metropolitan Avenue in Forest Hills. A complete description about my services and the products that are available at our wellness center can be found on my website, www.genesishealthbeauty.com. That's www.genesishealthbeauty.com. Or you may call us at 718-544-5997. We're back with you. So if you or your loved ones need help or you need personal training, uh, certainly I'm here to help. You can call us at 718-544-5997. And we'll we'll do everything we can to help get you back on track. So we're talking about increasing blood flow. I had mentioned the five elements of health. One of them was cardiorespiratory health. But just as much as cardiorespiratory, even though it's not one of the five elements I mentioned, is cardiovascular health. Vascular, the vascular system, the blood flow. When we do yoga relaxation, that in itself can help circulation. Because when we go into the relaxation response... The body becomes warmer. The body becomes a little heavier and warmer in the process. Blood cells open. They relax, especially in the extremities. When we're doing, when we're relaxed, we get more oxygen to our cells. That means the cells work a little better. Oxygen brings fire into the cells. The some of the twisting movements that we do, certainly if we go into classic postures like half spinal twist, that's very clear on the subject. But we do a number of twisting movements. One of the purposes of the twisting movements as we hold the posture, we can feel that squeeze into the organs. And that's very important. That squeeze is like wringing out a wet towel. We're just wringing out those the, the toxins and the venous blood. Venous is the blood that's coming back from the cells. Arterial blood goes to the cells. It's oxygenated blood. Venous blood is the blood of the waste products that we're eliminating. So we're squeezing that venous blood out of the organs. And we're making space, just as we did with the ligaments, to allow oxygenated blood to flow in. Because once we release the twist, the oxygen blood, oxygenated blood, the arterial blood, can just flow right in. Some of the greatest benefits can be realized in inverted postures. Sarvangasana, Halasana, the, that series, the headstand, the, head stand, the shoulder stand. Uh, you may not associate yoga with handstands, but we do handstands as well. That brings back a blood flow of the venous blood from the legs and the pelvis, and it bring, brings it back to flow back to the heart. From the heart, it gets pumped to the lungs where the exchange takes place at the alveoli, at the bottom of the lungs. And the 
the carbon dioxide that's coming back with the venous blood is eliminated. We breathe out. And oxygenated blood is delivered, goes from the heart, from the lungs to the heart, gets pumped out from the heart into the arterial system. And so we have this circular system, the circulatory system. So we're getting rid of this venous blood in the pelvic area, in the legs, going to the heart, and then we're exhaling and we're getting oxygenated blood. That's very helpful if you're having any kind of edema, any kind of swelling in the legs. Uh, it also improves heart function. It gives the heart uh, more blood to work with in terms of uh, from the legs. You know, the legs are often called the lower heart. Um, with diabetics, for example, if circulation, where circulation tends to be very bad in the legs, unless the condition is controlled. With that bad leg circulation, we usually find associated issues with the heart that arise. So we want to keep circulation very, very good. Um, yoga boosts other things in the blood, not just the circulatory process. It boosts the levels of red blood cells, hemoglobin, uh, and that's what carries oxygen to the tissue. It uh, thins the blood. It thins the blood by making platelets less sticky and by cutting the level of clot-promoting proteins in the blood. That can certainly lead to a decrease in heart attacks and strokes, uh, which are very often associated with blood clots. So I think you're getting somewhat of the idea, but the story doesn't end there. As a lifelong practitioner of yoga, I can tell you that I've seen some miraculous things happen for people who simply practice regularly. What about boosting the immunity? What about cleaning out the lymph? You know, the lymph is one of our Elimination systems, our cleansing systems, our, you know, we want to drain the lymph. When we contract and stretch certain muscles, when we move organs around, as we come in and out of yoga postures, we're increasing the lymph glands' ability to drain. Uh, the, uh, the drainage is this viscous fluid that's rich in immune cells. That helps the lymphatic system fight infection. It helps the lymphatic system destroy cancerous cells. It helps the lymphatic system dispose of toxic waste products um, at the cellular level. When we regularly uh, can get our heart rate into an aerobic range, remember I had mentioned cardiorespiratory health, when we can regularly get the heart rate into an aerobic range, we're lowering our risk of heart attack and also affecting moods. I've been getting more and more people lately um, who suffer with depression. I'm not sure if it's that more and more people with depression are coming to me for help because uh, I've become more popular? I don't know. Or the fact that there is simply more depression out there through this, in a, this weakening of, of the heart. Yoga itself is not classified as an aerobic. We're not moving in with constant rapid motion bringing up the heart rate for a minimum of 20 to 30 minutes. That would be a way to categorize an aerobic. Nevertheless, we lower our risk of heart attack and we can relieve depression if we do it vigorously 
or we take the flow or the ashtanga system. Now, ashtanga is a very misused word. In modern times, ashtanga has come to mean power yoga. That's not what ashtanga means. Ashtanga comes from the Sanskrit. It's made up of two words, asht and anga. Anga means a limb or a branch. And asht is eight. So this is the yoga of eight limbs or eight parts. That is the meaning. So I'm going to not use the word ashtanga and say power yoga. Certainly if we're doing power yoga with all the leaps and the jumps, not for everybody, and it is definitely more challenging. But if we're doing that uh, as a flow series without stopping to hold the posture, there's no question that we're boosting the heart rate and we can bring it up into an aerobic range. Um, but even uh, yoga exercises that don't do that, that don't get your heart into an exercise range or an aerobic range, they can also improve cardiovascular conditioning. There's a number of studies here that have found that yoga practice lowers the resting heart rate, that yoga increases and improves endurance, certainly improves the maximum uptake of oxygen during exercise. All, um, all of those are signs of a better aerobic conditioning. There was one study, for example, that found that people who were taught only breath work uh, could do more exercise with less oxygen. And breath work is a great key to yoga and tai chi and qigong. Uh, breath work is, is much more advanced than the physical movements. We think... Uh, of yoga as full lotus and headstand and all of these postures. But many uh, of the masters of the yogic tradition or advanced practitioners may not do that many postures, but they may sit there and do one hour of breath work. That's extremely rigorous. An hour of breath work is not easy. Uh, and certainly if you're going to be considering doing some breath work, I would strongly urge you not to do it out of books or from a tape. I would strongly urge you to find a qualified teacher and uh, learn some breath work with a qualified teacher. Breathing is a fundamental process of life. And breathing affects the mind and the body on every single level. If you're doing a breathing practice incorrectly, it can actually hurt you. So this is not something to simply decide to do. It's something to get some good instruction in. Uh, and that applies to many things in life. Find a good teacher and that will protect you and certainly shorten your journey, avoiding many of the pitfalls and errors that you'll fall into otherwise. Um, so along with heart, what goes along with that is blood pressure. If a person has high blood pressure, there's every good reason to believe that they will benefit from a yogic practice. There have been studies of people with hypertension or high blood pressure published in JAMA and in Lancet. Uh, these are peer-reviewed journals that are considered the, the highest level of peer-reviewed journals for the medical profession. Um these studies have compared the benefits or the effects of uh, lying in the dead pose, shavasana, or the corpse pose, as it's called, 
um, after uh, being in the in the corpse pose, what was found was there was a 26 point drop in systolic blood pressure. That was the top number, and a 15 point drop in diastolic blood pressure. And the higher the initial blood pressure, the bigger the drop. That's some really good news. Here's a practice, once you've learned it properly, that you can do for a lifetime without the use of pharmaceutical drugs, without the use of uh, any other uh, things that may have side effects or things that you have to pay continually pay money for, once you know it, just do it. You know, a problem in the modern world, we're actually, we have to take um, our next break. But I will tell you that one of the problems that we have uh, in in the modern world, in our society certainly, is drained adrenal glands. We have weakened adrenal glands, a weakened capacity to deal with stress. When we return, we're going to discuss the regulation of our adrenal glands. So stay with us. Um, On the next announcement, you'll see an announcement about our non-for-profit, where many of the classes that we offer in yoga and dance and tai chi are free to certain populations. This is our way of giving back. If you're a vet or a young adult with mental disabilities or know someone in those in those populations, please have them contact us. We'll be happy to work with them, and our classes are totally free for them. So stay tuned, and we'll be back shortly. You are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, living a holistic life with your host, myself, Dr. Renee David Alkali. I am a naturopathic doctor in private practice in Forest Hills, New York, at 10202 Metropolitan Avenue. I want to take a moment to tell you about our free programs for veterans with PTSD, for children with cancer, and for young adults with mental disabilities. If you have a loved one or friends um, that fall into any of these categories, please have them call us. Uh, We have free programs available. There is no charge. Uh, We offer these through our not-for-profit, and you can find us online at www.genesissociety.org. These programs are made available by your generous support. Please continue to support them. Continue to help us make them available at no charge to our community. Check our website, www.genesissociety.org, or you may call us at 718-544-5997. So, yes, if you have anyone in your immediate family or circle of friends, or you know of anyone in these populations, please call us. We're happy to provide these programs for free. And as I said, it's our way of giving back. And um, we'll we'll be happy to, to have them in our program. So I mentioned the adrenal glands. You know, what happens when we come into a stressful situation or some type of crisis is that the adrenal glands secrete certain chemicals. They secrete cortisol. They secrete epinephrine, norepinephrine. That's in response to that stress. That, in turn, boosts our immune system, makes it possible for us to run faster, to fight harder, gives us that level of what sometimes appears to be superhuman strength. Um, You know, the example of the 100-pound mother 
whose baby is uh, whose child may be under a car and she she runs over and doesn't know how but she lifts the whole car and her child comes out and escapes a car is 2000 pounds that's no mean feat um so you know that's the purpose of uh, of our adrenal glands they they help us survive by giving us that incredible strength that incredible ability to run faster uh to be sharper in our response however the downside of that is that if the cortisol levels stay high even after the crisis is passed, that can weaken our immune system because it starts to drain the adrenal glands. And drain, once they're drained, we, we no longer have that reserve. If we have a temporary boost of cortisol, it helps with long-term memory. But if we have chronic uh, secretion of uh, cortisol that begins to disturb the memory, begins to inhibit it and uh, weaken it. It may very well lead to permanent damage or changes in the brain. There are other things. If we have excessive cortisol, that's been linked with major depression. It's been linked to osteoporosis because it pulls out calcium and other minerals from bones. And it interferes with production of new bone, high blood pressure. It disrupts the insulin cycle, the insulin resistance. Um, it can lead to uh, our looking for food, food-seeking behavior the kind of behavior that leads us to eat more when we're because we, we eat more when we're upset or when we're stressed. Bad time to eat, but that's what we do. When we eat under those conditions, we're not really metabolizing properly. So what happens is we're taking those calories and we're putting them into fat, usually in the stomach or the butt or the thighs. And that uh, leads to weight gain. Weight gain leads to possibly obesity. Then we have the risk of diabetes, heart attack. You see the chain. So yoga, unlike other exercises, is a practice that specifically works with stress reduction, the relaxation response both through breath work and through guided relaxation to learning how to relax. Unless we're doing power yoga, a yoga session in itself, at the end of it, no matter how challenging it may be in terms of advanced postures, at the end of it, a student or a practitioner ought to feel a sense of deep relaxation of wholeness, of harmony, of integration, very different from other kinds of exercises where at the end of it one may feel a strong sense of fatigue. I have worked with people where we've done relaxation response, um, especially uh, especially in, in Shavasana, as I said, or in sitting, and um, within two or three months, there are dramatic changes that take place. I've mentioned the relationship of constant stress to depression. Uh, I might mention also the relationship to panic attacks, to anxiety disorders, we live in a society in a world in which we're constantly uh, attacked by critical crisis situations, if not within our immediate lives, certainly through media and through newspapers, 
vicariously being involved with what's happening around the world. Uh, you know, we're we're no longer in a place where you walked out of your house and you sat on the stoop and you looked at a big sky full of cl- stars and the streets were relatively quiet at night. We don't live in that kind of world anymore. Relaxation response is more critical than ever. If you're feeling depressed or sad, try sitting in a lotus posture for a while or in a half lotus if you can or come up into some some into a warrior posture. Build your capacity for inner warrior. Or um, get into the royalty of a king dancer pose. It's not as easy as I'll take a posture and all of a sudden I won't be sad or I won't be depressed. But I will say that if you have a consistent or regular yoga practice, there are studies that have absolutely shown that it improves depression. And it leads to a significant increase in serotonin levels. Serotonin is part of that neurotransmitter chain that controls uh, depression. Also, a consistent yoga practice uh, has been shown to to bring about a decrease in the levels of monoamine oxidase. That's a an enzyme that breaks down neurotransmitters as well as cortisol. We have found in studies that the left prefrontal cortex, for example, showed heightened activity in people who meditate. Now, that's a very interesting finding because that's been correlated with greater levels of happiness and better immune function. The also a more dramatic left-sided activation uh, can be seen in people who are long-term meditators. So, yes, it works on the mind, the body, in, on everything. We have limited time left, and I don't know how much more I'll be able to go into, so we'll touch on another couple of subjects but um, you you see already from what we're talking what we've talked about um, the benefits that are involved and certainly why I have been an advocate of yoga practice and um, yoga as a lifestyle and that's what I will mention now yoga as a lifestyle there's an old adage for many people who are constantly dieting. And that adage is move more, eat less. You can do both with uh, regular yoga practice because it gets you moving, burns calories. And because it's not just a physical practice, but a spiritual and emotional practice, it has that dimension that encourages us to address certain eating and weight problems on a deeper level. Yoga inspires us to become more conscious in everything we do and certainly eating. There's only 60 seconds to the end of our show. So I, uh, I encourage you to go find a good yoga school, a good yoga teacher. A good teacher makes all the difference. If you're local to us, please come visit us. We're in Forest Hills on Metropolitan Avenue. You can try a uh, half-price trial class. And uh, it's never happened that people have tried a trial class and not come into studying with us. because. But we give you that option to see if you like our teaching and our school. So please do call us at 718-544-5997. If I can be of help via phone or Skype, uh, I'm available. So once again, I wish you a happy new year. God bless you. May your year be one of joy, happiness, health, and prosperity. 
and thank you for being with us for these last few months. Taco Bell finds startling data in new polls. 100% of parents need nap time more than their kids. Country singers prefer large belt buckles. And shockingly, Americans want breakfast with bacon versus no bacon. No kidding. Taco Bell's new dollar morning value menu with stuff like grilled breakfast burritos with fluffy eggs. And yes, crispy bacon rolled in a warm tortilla for just a buck. It's the only dollar breakfast value menu that brings home the bacon. At participating locations, prices and items may vary. Tax extra bacon available in grilled breakfast burrito and breakfast taco. Click the banner for dollar breakfast. Ah, the sweet sound of a squeaky clean engine. It's like music to my ears. Oh, and that? That's a dirty engine. It's what happens when you use ordinary fuels that leave behind dirty deposits. But new BP gasoline with Invigorate helps clean your engine. With continual use, it can give you more miles per tank. Oh, much better. New BP gasoline with Invigorate, our best fuel ever. Versus minimum detergent gas, average restored 3 to 5 miles per tank based on fleet testing. Requires continuous use based on what you drive and how you drive. 